Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. recovery sort of i'm jason i am have been called a mother a couple of times <laughs> i'm billy i'm a person in long-term recovery and today we have on jenny hi i'm jenny and we also have on stephanie hi i'm stephanie i'm also in recovery awesome uh so the topic of today and this episode has been a fucking billion years in the making by the way um is motherhood in recovery or the unequal expectations on mothers and fathers in recovery or something like that. I, I don't know exactly. We'll figure that out. Generally, you know, somebody brought up the idea that it is a little different for moms slash women in recovery. And, and I got to thinking about that. And, you know, we try to be a show and I, I think Billy's pretty open-minded and, and my life experience has led me to be more open-minded than I, I ever was previously for sure. Um, this idea that not everything is as equal as it sounds, right? And and maybe white males might have it a little easier than other people at times, just from being the norm that things are made for, right? Um, so that being said, I, I thinking about my history with my wife and us having kids and and the differences and looking at that on a small scale, like when I want to shower, I go and take a shower. Right. When I want to make something to eat, I go and make something to eat. If I want to make a plan to go eat lunch with Billy, we just make a plan and go eat lunch. Right. And seeing my wife go through these things like it does not look like that. It's like having to advocate for yourself to have time for a shower or asking who can watch the baby while you go out and have this lunch. Is somebody available? Like and those all considerations that. I generally tend to not have to consider and that on itself and that level just seems so unfair, right? I, I can't say that I am great at making it change in my own household, unfortunately, even seeing it because it benefits me, right? It benefits <laughs> me. I'm not going to sit here and lie. Um, but I have tried through that awareness to be a little more empathetic, compassionate, helpful, useful, whatever you want to call it. But in the eyes of recovery, right? I have seen this in action. I've seen we come into recovery. We're ready to get our lives together. Maybe we get our kids back. Maybe it's we're having kids for the first time. And that looks weird in couples in recovery because you'll see a couple and they have a new baby and everybody's excited and it's beautiful. And then three weeks later, it's like you still see the male half of the couple at every meeting. They always hit, you know, the same three, four five meetings a week that they were always going to. And then you're like, oh, well, how, how's your wife? Oh, she's doing great. Right? <laughs> she's great. She's home taking care of kids. She's home taking care <laughs> of the kids. Exactly, right? And so she almost, I've seen at times, has to advocate just to get to her home group, right? And and no even thought of, I need to get back to these three or four meetings or five meetings I used to hit. It's just like, God, I got to do something for my recovery. Let me, you know, at least hit my home group. Somebody's got to watch the baby while I hit my home group. And even that sometimes can be a struggle to argue for that uh, ability. And, you know, I, I guess my original thought was, oh, well, this is a societal construct. This is how we do it. It benefits men. There's a lot of this going on and, and men just take advantage of this. And it was kind of through the lens of like men are dicks, right? That's how I was thinking. And then in finding the, the right person to come on here and talk about this, um, what I realized is this isn't necessarily all the male half of the relationship's fault. Like this is an internalized concept society has given women that they need to feel this motherly maternal guilt and they have to be around the baby all the time and, and don't take babies to meetings because they're fucking annoying and cry and interrupt and they might mess up somebody else's recovery message they're trying to hear and blah, 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 all this shit, right? So 
let me stop trying to mansplain <laughs> and let the ladies uh, take this over for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I think maybe I don't have anything left to say because you said most of it uh, <laughs> pretty efficiently for me. Um, you know, I so growing up, I was always around other people's kids and best friends and kind of a part of raising these kids. I've always been pretty maternal and I liked it, you know, so I thought when I got pregnant, I was like, okay, I know how to keep children alive. Right. It's, this is how it's going to work. That is the goal. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so far I've done a pretty good job. Um, but when I had my own kid, I, because I had no experience in having children of my own, the amount of internalized pressure, I guess, um, you know, of just doing it all myself, you know, and the struggle that goes with it and new. And when I had my kid, um, you know, I was coming off, I had, I had like just like I got, I got clean and I got pregnant. Oh. You know what I mean? Like I had, I had a one day relapse, but it, it was enough to set me back, you know? So well, I'll say regardless of the of relapse, I had two years of recovery, you know, at that point, but hadn't done much work. So like, I'm still kind of crazy, right. you know what I mean? Um, and I was on uh, mental health medication as well that I was not able to take while I was pregnant. So I like went into the gauntlet of how do I take care of myself mentally and prepare myself for this child, right? And not cause harm to myself because not taking mental health meds. I realize I do a lot of other self-harm. So like there's just all these things, you know, I'm trying to learn. And then like on top of it, here's a tiny human that's very, you know, vulnerable. Mm and it's your job to take care of it while your while your husband goes to work, uh, which was not the case. He came home. He was very helpful, and I was like, "No, no, no, I got it." He's mm. like, mm. "He has uh, two older daughters, so he's been through this twice, and he already knew like the kind of support I was going to need." I did not take advantage of that, and I think mm, six weeks in, I threw a bowl of fruit at the wall, <laughs> and I like cussed at him in front of his visiting daughter, uh, which. Did not go over well. And at that point, I, I was like, all right, this this is not working. I have to, you know, accept some of the help that is freely being given. It's a partnership. And he has never made me feel like anything was solely my responsibility. But I do see him go take a shower whenever he wants. <laughs> or, you know, because he, I'm assuming, I don't want to lady-splain, right? right? <laughs> but, you know, that I'm going to take care of the child and not let it die while he's taking a shower or he's yeah. outside vaping. You know, which maybe it would be a relief to me if I just went and did those things instead of being like, okay, are you ready? Here's his snacks. Here's his food, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm going to go take a six-minute shower and try to wash everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I think a lot of it's internalized. And, you know, I probably don't need to stress myself out that much, but I do. Well, there, there's the internalized. And then the, uh, I guess from just looking at my relationship, there's the reaction. Right. So my wife says things like, hey, can you watch the baby while I go do this lunch with my girlfriends? And I'm a guy who believes lunch with girlfriends is hugely important to your fucking well-being. But I don't want to. <laughs> I'm like, so my reaction is probably like, <sighs> that doesn't feel good when you're asking to go do something good for yourself. And so you start asking less. Right. And, and those kind of ideas. And I. Yeah. Like, what the what the hell? What do you got, Jenny? So, uh, you know, your that scenario you, you played out, your NA scenario. So I don't see that so much in AA. It's like there's no couples that come in together. It's like, uh, you know, like the mom or the dad comes. And what I've noticed in AA is that um, dads will go to meetings like five, six nights a week. Mom will get one night mm -hmm. to go to a meeting. And, and there's they're supposed to, you know, take care of the recovery in just that one night. And right. I've, so other, all parents, you know, parents have to go to AA, but mom, it's like mom can only do one night because of that either internal dialogue says she has to be home or because of the societal pressure that says mom needs to be home. But dad will go out every night of the week and any hour. And I've known, you know, several men that, um, like the marriage or the family situation dissolved in recovery because, he just kept going to, to do recovery stuff. And uh, we have a saying in AA, um, 
whatever you put before your recovery is the first thing you will lose. Do you guys say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we say you're going to put it in the cooker. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. <laughs> um, and so there's there's that pressure too. So like there's that, that mom guilt, you know, like if I put my kids before my recovery, I'm going to lose my kids. Hmm. But then you have to, there's like this fine line bounce. Do I go be the mom and, you know, like go make dinner and tuck them into bed or do I give them some mac and cheese and hot dogs and run out to the meeting and leave them with my parents? Um, so, you know, I, I was pretty lucky when I came in. So, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't lose my husband or my home or my job. Um, I had one daughter when I started recovery and then I, I got a rehab six months later outpatient and I got pregnant that week. <laughs> um, so then I had my second daughter in recovery and then I did bring her to when, when she was an infant, I brought her to meetings until she started getting a little more rambunctious. So right. maybe like another six months after that. And then I had to start making arrangements, but I was going to much less meetings and then the insanity starts to kick in. And I think at that stage, like, I guess while I, up until I had her, I was doing like three meetings a week and then it went down to like one meeting and I was like, that's not enough. Cause then, yeah, the pressure is on like that postpartum, you know, trying to figure out your new life. And, um, so much, I think a lot of recovery too is, uh, just figuring out who you are and dealing with how you were parented. So that comes into play too. So, you know, you're dealing with mom guilt and then how you were mothered and then you're trying to be a better mother. And you, it's just, there's so many angles and like fronts to recovery, like not just the physical substance addiction, but you're trying to resolve old trauma and be a mom <laughs> and dealing with your own mom issues. It's just, it's, it's a lot to take in. And so I, totally support throwing bowls of fruit it happens like <laughs> <It's art. laughs> I, i'm picturing this scenario where this couple has a baby in recovery together mm -hmm. and the woman can't get to meetings right and the man is at meetings six and a half nights a week talking about how stressed he is about the baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes and he's not even there right like uh -huh. it's uh, it's interesting you said that in aa there's not all this coupling up and baby having, I, I nope. guess, NA's... Uh, it's like rampant. Yeah, I, I'm like, maybe the reputation that, that Lewis presented to us in that AA episode is, is accurate. Like, maybe they're not just fucking each other all over AA like Very they do in NA. proper, yeah. I feel like that is like the NA style. You get clean, yeah. you get a girl, you get a baby. Like, that's, that's part of your first year, right? Just around here. I mean, around here, I think AA is like older, too. Uh, Whereas NA is kind of like the 20-somethings. Just an observation. Not, yeah. you know, always, but right. a lot more 20-somethings. When I was in rehab, I was in a small group of 12, and it, 10, there were like 10 people who were like 20, 22 years old, and me, and another like 40-something, you know. Mm. So, was, and they all went to NA. Uh, so. I don't have a, a ton of experience going to exclusively AA meetings, but I, I used to live in Frederick, Maryland, and um, I noticed the majority of the people, there was a pretty good diverse age like demographic but a lot of them were male oh yes so i have no idea if their wives were at home or if it was just they were the only ones coming and they were mm -hmm. single i don't know what they were doing in their beds at, like i don't know who they were fucking like i just it was a lot <laughs> no? of guys <laughs> and um i'll agree with that stat around here i would say like 70 30 80 20 yeah and it's hard to find a women's group so in, when i was in rehab they're like you got to find a women's group and there was like one in lower newcastle county and one in wilmington <laughs> you know, and, and I, so I picked Middletown. So, um, and that one's not even around anymore. That's and not even, that was pre COVID. It already had dissolved. It's just, there's not a lot of women. And then I wouldn't even like, where are they? Where are they? They're home right. taking care of their they're babies. They're home reading the fur <laughs> mm -hmm. wives section. <laughs> Make sure they're not home drinking box wine with their kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just getting it done. Yeah, probably. So, <laughs> and, and it's interesting that the big book does have a, a two wives chapter in it right why don't we have a two moms chapter that's i think the two wives chapter is really like old and archaic it's like is well if your edition? husband's an alcoholic uh you might want to attend to his needs or something. i don't know what <laughs> like. i have never read it don't let me lie um but if they we can have that why don't we have a two moms chapter right that that explains the difficulties of being a mom and, and thinking about that from the narcotics anonymous program like we have Youth and recovery pamphlets. Fuck, we got a fucking pamphlet for everything. We don't have a to new mothers or to new yeah. fathers pamphlet. And like I, I'm thinking about when a sponsee in his first year says, 
I'm going to get into this new relationship and I love this girl, right? And I'm not like, that's a terrible idea. I'm like, dude, hey, that's great. Just make sure you're also still investing in your recovery and writing steps and doing these things that'll set you up to be in a good situation because your your relationship is going to be this stressful event that is going to require these coping skills and a way to handle it, right? So it's not like, don't do that. It's like, hey, make sure you're including these positive things so that you have them when you need them. And I'm wondering why we don't have this same kind of idea around new moms, right? Like, hey, you're a new mom and that's going to be a extremely stressful situation. Kind of like you just described, you got the old trauma, the attachment styles, all this shit going on underneath. Why don't we also say, hey, you probably need to be in a meeting more than you were before, not less. You know, it was suggested to me that like, maybe you could start a small mom's group. I'm like, yeah, because I have like nothing else to do right now. I'm going <laughs> right, to start my right. own meeting. Start a new yeah, group. Yeah, great idea. I'll Thanks. cater it too. Yeah. <laughs> Let me chop vegetables for right. it. Charcuterie board. I, you know, like, <laughs> I understood like the sentiment, but I'm like, that's not really like what I have time for right now. Right. Thanks. Why don't you take your fucking male privilege and start it for me? <laughs> Luckily for me, I have... Um, a great sponsor who Jason actually introduced me to just kind of, he thrust me on her years ago and I still have her and she's wonderful. Um, and then a good network of women. So my meeting attendance did go down, um, especially in the first two months. Um, you know, I was really paranoid about bringing something home to the baby before he was vaccinated. Um, in our family, we had a infant death that it was years and years ago and it just made all of us kind of hyper aware and paranoid, but and that's, really, that's not COVID, by the way. No, no, that's no. Just the this was years vaccines in the, that we do in trust, the 80s. apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, I, I relied heavily on my network of women, which is it was a, it's a good network. You know, they. Right. It took me years and years to finally just pick and choose who I hang out with, but it, I've got a good group now, and that's probably what saved me. Um, mentally and the fruit in my house, from, <laughs> you know, just you know reaching out like i learned so that relapse i talked about that was just the one day what happened before that was um i was going through this mental health stuff and i was telling everyone like i'm supposed to and then one day i was like no one wants to hear about this shit anymore mm. right and i didn't talk about it for three days and then i relapsed it took three days mm. of me not talking so now it, since then everybody hears all my shit i mean well you know my network and mm. i don't care if they're fucking tired of it because you know, it's what keeps me going. It's keep. It's good for my recovery, and it has kept, excuse me, mentally for the most part well. You know, so while I don't get to as many meetings, the meeting I do get to is my home group. It's a women's group, and I can go in there and say anything. You know, and they're like, "Yep, we get it. Here's a knife. Go murder your husband. Whatever." You know, like <laughs> don't really do that, but you know, there's a lot of understanding and compassion, and I'm blessed to have a, a good group of women that gives me their experience and not their advice because I, I there's nothing more I hate than someone who has no experience in what the hell their advice are giving <laughs> me and they're like why don't you and I'm like why don't you go fuck yourself okay <laughs> so I make a baby and then you'll yeah, understand right. right I usually I just say oh that's nice and I just turn away and walk but so you're, you're hitting your home group each week mm -hmm. one meeting yep how many meetings does your husband hit he usually hits his home group Okay. And yeah, he's the same way. He works a lot, um, but he also relies heavily on his network. I'm assuming he's on the phone with the sponsor all the time, and he's always telling me, hey, I talked to so-and-so, which is a sponsee brother or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I don't ask him details about his recovery, but he right. seems to be doing okay and living okay and doing the same things I'm doing. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way to recover, right? So. Knowing a lot of newcomers, you know, we suggest the 90 meetings in 90 days. It's to start a new behavior pattern, like you use drugs every day. Let's do this positive, healthy thing every day in place, like get in tune, get connected. I think a lot of that is a good suggestion and helps. But I've had sponsees that came in, did like the five and six meetings a week for a couple of weeks. And then they already had kids at home. And they're like, look, dude, I, I feel like something's wrong with me, but I got to be home more. Like I can do like two meetings. And I'm like... I think that sounds like recovery to me. Like yeah. that doesn't sound like something's right. wrong with you. That sounds like what you need to fucking do. That's what your life calls for. You're not single and kidless. And yeah. so I, I don't think there's a wrong way. Right. And and I have actually even said so the great debate of whether kids belong in meetings. I'm like, 
I think you kind of get more if you just stay home and call somebody than you do coming here and fucking up somebody else's meeting. But whatever, that's my own opinion. But I, 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 in your mind, ideally, how many meetings would you truly like to hit a week that you think would keep you in a really healthy place and connected? I think at least two or three, mm-hmm. and mainly to get some more fellowship and in-person because I feel... So when I do go to another meeting but outside of my home group that I'm usually because I'm invited to or asked to speak at, it's like recharge, right. you know, like I get to see new people and um, or people I haven't seen in a while, hear different things, you know, get a new, this sounds tragic to say, but appreciation from someone else's suffering. Mm. It's not as bad or I understand and just um, if I could more regularly go to more than one. Um, it might, you know, it, it might help. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with just getting out of my house, you know, and seeing people and just human interaction. And and I think one of the things, and this probably goes for both parties, mom and dad, that we miss when we have kids. Yes. Life is a lot of responsibility then. And it's a lot about kids, but if we don't take time to have quote unquote adult time, we lose our fucking minds. I can oh only talk about SpongeBob or, or or whatever the fuck the cartoon we're watching. What what's God? I can't. Cocoa, Cocoa Melon. Melon, yes, yeah. <laughs> and all that. Like I can only do so much Masha and the fucking bear, right? <laughs> I need some. Our kids have the same taste. <laughs> right. I, I I need some. Please don't talk to me about Roblox if I see you at a meeting. Like I might right. strangle you. Right. My six year old <laughs> does enough of that. Like. So I, we do miss this idea that we need to be healthy first, right? It's very much the the oxygen mask in the plane idea, right? If I don't put on my fucking oxygen mask, I can't help anybody else put on theirs. And, and I think our society trends towards, and this isn't mother specific, but this idea of personal sacrifice and pushing through, and, and that's where the reward and joy comes in. Like and it's like, thing. oh God, it is. Um, But it, it's permeated, right? Sure. It's permeated us. And we think like we're not supposed to be enjoying what we're doing now and, and not supposed to be healthy to, to I need breaks from kids. I, and I think we all do. And maybe this episode is about it's harder for mom to get breaks from kids. I think uh, maybe that's an internalized thing from the mom on herself. Maybe that's from her partner. Maybe that's from everybody. But it's harder for mom to get a fucking break. It's harder for me to get a break. My kid definitely, I think, feels safer around me. Um not discounting his dad by by any means so like when he wakes up he wants to see me right Right. and when he goes to bed i you know but we were we were in wildwood new jersey recently and um we were at the beach and daddy was playing with him down by the waves and then he went out further and i stayed with him right and i'm holding his hand so he doesn't die in the water right right and he's having a great time and he's kind of like whatever well when daddy comes back he drops my hand like it's a bag of weed right (laughs) and like goes running to dad because dad is more fun yeah you know what i mean so daddy is um he, I feel uh, sometimes I'm like, you get all the cool stuff, you know, and I, I'm just, it's just my yes. job to keep him alive, but it's also self-imposed. Like he's, you know, it's for me, it's a difficult balance. Cause one, he's a, he's a child. He's a baby. You know, uh, I feel like I should keep him. I keep saying this, keep him alive. Right. Uh, but he's also not going to die if I, you know, don't stare at him all day. Right. Right. You know, and my, my husband gets it. So that concept, uh, it was actually on that show, there was something, the the chick Elaine from Seinfeld had her own show, Christine, Me? Adventures oh. of Christine or something, I don't know. But she had her kids full time and the dad had them every other weekend or whatever, the typical old time setup that we used to have. And, and she was jealous that he like did all these fun things with them. And his, his expression was, that's because your place is home, mm-hmm. right? And they always want to come back here. So I got to do whatever I can to grasp a piece of something, which is fun. And I think that does roll into everyday life, even when you're together. Like, so mom gets up in the middle of the night generally, yep. right? Mom's got the milk, right? That's how it works. Mom's there for comfort, for feeding, for all the daily tasks. No matter how much an involved dad is, mom still has more. So baby tends to choose mom. That's just the way it is, right? But then dad needs a, a part. So if mom's always just choosing, I mean, if baby's always just choosing mom, that hurts. Well, now I got to have a piece. What's my piece? Oh, we'll play, 
right? Mm-hmm. We'll get some intense half hour of play and that's exciting and tickling and throwing them around and shit, right? And, and, and so that's our piece. That's our only draw when mom has all the draw already. So like my kids generally yeah it's mom first right if mom leaves oh yeah now daddy's special i'll sit on his lap right but right. but when mom's there the choice is clear um and so that i think plays into it too like how are you going to feel going to a meeting when baby's crying that you're leaving because you got to leave him with dad yeah but or, once i'm gone he doesn't care right yeah. right but it's still that heartbreaking <laughs> yeah. moment right so how could we better support moms that we don't is this just an individual thing is this a a program thing is there some kind of like thing the 12-step program itself is there some like wisdom that we can start telling our sponsees when they have kids or or telling anybody like is there some kind of setup do we need more meetings that have daycare (laughs) like meetings with child care that's not often i've seen it here and there but like do we need more of that do we need paid child care meetings do we need women's groups to to step up and be mother groups like what could really help this issue Uh, you know if when people you know in recovery want to help um instead of so somebody offered to watch my kids so somebody who would also have gone to that meeting was like hey do you want me to watch your daughter so you can go to the meeting and that i see that as service you know Mm. like and so they're going to miss the meeting but they're serving so somebody who doesn't get to a meeting as much i never took them up on the offer but i thought it was kind you know so maybe like mother meeting shares where you trade nights right like hey tuesday i'll stay home you bring your kid over and you can hit the meeting even though mm-hmm. it's still an added fucking step that the well, guy doesn't have yeah. to do and i gotta then- drive over here to drop my kid off before i go to the meeting but but then thursday i'll bring my kid to you and i'll hit a meeting and you can watch yeah maybe kids. even not just mom swap but like you know you guys could help. You know, oh, like, shit. Now you want us to do something. <laughs> I mean, this is ideal universe stuff, but people like outs, people outside of recovery, your family, like if, if you want to support your loved one in recovery, yeah, offer to watch their child and don't be, uh, you know, be nice about it, Toe. Don't be like, you know, don't take all the credit. Be like, hey, I just want to do something nice for you. I'll watch your kid and I'll bring over some Chick-fil-A, you know. Um, so don't be like, hey. You need a fucking meeting. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. Don't be a dick about it. Be like, I saved you because I watched your kid. Just, you know, post do about it humbly. It real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like watching my kids so that my, you know, watching her kids so she can go to a meeting. You know, be be kind about it because, you know, they already have enough shame having Ooh. to, to like. Who hurt you, Jenny? That sounds really personal. <laughs> we could do a whole show on that. But, um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, if you watch the kid or help with uh, food or, you know, just and just, you know, be be supportive that way without belittling the fact that they have to go take care of their recovery. Mm. Yeah. So. And I always try to support people that bring kids to meetings um, for a couple of the reasons we talked about. One, I mean, and a lot of times you see people that bring kids, it's hard for them to even pay attention because the kids, especially if they're toddlers totally. or that age, they're running around. They need attention the whole time. But that just getting out like you said around people because i was in the other situation you know where i would bring my kids to meetings you know when they were young and it's it's hard you know it's difficult but just getting out of the house around other people around you know like oh my god adults you know that i can have a conversation with even if it's after the meeting so now i try to recognize that when i see people bring kids you know at our home group we have a little area in the back it's got some toys because it's a church room and we don't usually say like we have child care but for like some kids, especially if they're a little bit older, six, eight, ten, it's like, hey, you can come back here. We can close this door. You can hang out back here and just try to give the parents, just try to identify like, yeah, this is hard. Yeah. We're glad you're here. You know what I mean? Your kid is fine. Like, yeah, they're going to make noise and it's fine. Like, I hate it. It bugs me a lot. I hate to say this, but when I see people with your attitude that like, you got to get your kids and make them shut the fuck up. Like, no, they're kids. <laughs> they're not going to shut up. They're going to make noise. They're going to cry. They're probably going to want to talk. You know, they're going to interact with people because they're kids. And it's important for that adult to be able to come there and get that time. Like, that's that's critical. I guess my standpoint has always been like, what's good for the many? And I'm like, if you come looking at it from and, and this is a very selfish point of view. Right. But if I bring a kid. I'm going to get absolutely zero out of the fucking meeting because my focus is going to be on is my kid behaving Mm -hmm. and not affecting anybody else's ability to hear a message. So I've already eliminated the fact that I'm not going to get anything. And now I run the risk of 
possibly more people not getting anything if they are distracting, right? So in that standpoint, I'm like, I'm really doing more harm than good from the way I conceptualize it. So I'd get more out of staying home and making a 20 minute phone call to my sponsor while my kid watches a fucking cartoon because I'm going to get more adult interaction out of that than I am going to a meeting where I'm not going to focus on anybody else. But I guess not everybody has that. Maybe some people don't give a fuck if their kid interrupts other people or they're not so they're not so worried about their self-worth being tied to that. Let me say that. Right. Well, I wish we could create an atmosphere where it didn't matter if a kid made a little bit of fucking noise or not. Like, who cares? What you're saying yeah. isn't that fucking self-important that everybody in the room needs to hear it. Well, <laughs> it's, it's less about that and more about with whatever genetic makeup I have, I'd get nothing when I'm distracted by shiny things, thongs, babies, like <laughs> anything that mm. distracts me. Right. Yeah. right? <laughs> like, it, it quickly takes my attention to where I can't like I my family will try to talk to me when the TV's on in the room next to it and I can't hear what the fuck they're saying because my brain <laughs> right. can't focus in right and so I don't know if that's a biological thing that a lot of people struggle with but I feel like that's genetic and I have tried to get around it and I cannot so we got seven members in my family like five kids two adults when there's more than one conversation happening at dinner I'm fucked. Like I'm, I cannot hear you. I literally can't. I would love to, and it's it's very frustrating for me because I want to be a part of it, and so I, I'm. It's not from a standpoint of like what somebody's saying is so important. It's more of like I literally can't listen when I hear noise. So I, hmm. I don't know if that helps you understand my. Everybody's positioning. different. Um, in my experience, I, you know, I, I when I see especially now that I have a kid, uh, when I see you know, Rugrats, you know, before that was probably annoying. And over the years, I've just been like, sometimes it'd be like that, you know, like, and I just see, first off, understanding the struggle it took to get that kid to the meeting, mm. like, just let that person, <laughs> right. you know, like, right. kids come with fucking shit and carriers mm. and like, you know, like, just, it's an hour, put up with it for an hour. You've been obnoxious to somebody for an hour before, <laughs> just deal with it. Just now. Like Just, right now, I'm right being obnoxious. Now, yeah. <laughs> Definitely pissing somebody off somewhere. But, you know, and then now, you know, I keep going back to my homework because it's, it's the only one I really go to a lot. But even in my network, uh, you know, it's like we actively say to people, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Because mm. people come in and their kids loud. And mm. whoever's sitting around them, they're like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Just whatever. You know, and a lot of times, like if the person's comfortable with other people touching their kid, the kid gets scooped up, you know, yeah. and there's snacks and phones and just, it's like, we want it to be a welcoming environment, you know, where people can come and bring their well-behaved child or their Dennis the Menace, you know, whatever it is. And at one point we did have a meeting and I don't know, obviously with COVID going on, but we did have a women's meeting in this area that actually had child care that was like a paid babysitter that will sometimes was a member of the home group, but sometimes it was my daughter, you know, mm -hmm. and she would go and watch the kids and, you know, then the parents could come and bring the kids and have someone actually watch them, you know, so they could get out of the meeting space, you know. And maybe my view is the male privilege view of like <laughs> not having to feel like I had to bring my kid to a meeting because there was a woman at home to watch them. Right. Maybe that is where I'm coming from. I, I guess my thought has never been like to be uninclusive. In fact, if somebody came to a meeting and said, dude, I really need this meeting. Can you watch my kid in the back and miss the meeting for me? Fuck yeah. I don't really need this meeting right today. Like I'm down with that idea and I'm not going to get anything if I'm sitting here with your kid yelling anyway. So right. sure, I will gladly sacrifice and take them in the back. That's not a problem for me. It's just I feel like in 2021, that's kind of tough with. Okay, so at a meeting up here with the six people I, I'm close with in my home group, that's fucking easy, right? They, sure. they trust me with their mm -hmm. kid. But in the 55-member meeting at in Dundalk, I used to be a home group member at, like where I didn't even recognize the people. They just moved into the recovery house across the street like last week, and they don't trust us yet. Like They're not going to want me to take their fucking kid in the back, right? right. <laughs> take your kid in the back. I don't know. I, I just think that's harder to do, I guess. Yeah. See, if I love kids, but given the choice, if I had a meeting with with kids or without kids, I always pick without kids because I right. I love kids and you know I'd be like drawn to them. I'd kind of be like you. I'd be like, oh, what are they doing? You know, oh, like, they're I definitely be a, a distraction. Yeah, and definitely. And um, know. 
like I anyone would, else that would sit there and make a bunch of noise in a meeting. You'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Even older kids, my concern is like, we're talking about adult topics. And so if you yeah. get a kid who's like six and up yeah. and it's like you got language, you so know, mature I brought, situations. My daughter was 14 one time and I was going to my home group and I picked her up from something horseback riding or whatever. And I said, well, we'll just go to the home group. It'll be fine. You can just sit in the back and it'll be fine. And it was like. I mean, maybe 10 minutes into the meeting, I'm like, oh, we got to leave <laughs> because the conversation, like you said, it just went to a point. I'm like, this is totally not mm-hmm. a place for my 14-year-old daughter to be. And it wasn't over. I can't even remember being overly terrible. It just got really uncomfortable. And we left and I didn't stay. <laughs> I considered bringing my 10-year-old and slapping headphones on her and she would just sit there and play iPad. And, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that could work. But I've never so desperately needed, needed a meeting, you know. At this time. So I thought we got super lucky, you know, early in recovery. And it was mostly because my daughter was like the kid from hell. So my first kid had like colic and cried like all the time. We had a couple of babysitters actually quit and said, we can't watch your kid. Like your kid's too terrible. So my mom actually came and moved in with us and watched our kid. And so then we had like a live in babysitter who was a grandmother who was great, you know, and that was a tremendous help but yeah that's that's the biggest reason i ended up taking my kid to more meetings and that happened when she was about two or three my mom moved in so then it was like oh great and we had talked about that yesterday jason and i were having this conversation about it i think it's easier for older parents to raise kids than younger parents they're already beaten down they just give up already like all right this is what's happening more patience (laughs) and tolerance and stuff yeah i was super lucky that when i when I went into recovery, um, I was working, but my mom and my husband both jumped in to watch my daughter. And then, so I could, I was free to do what I needed. So yeah, in the beginning it was like five, five meetings a week. Um, and I, and I worked too. But then after, after I had my second daughter, I quit my job. And then that's an issue with moms too, I think is like my, being a mom is not just my role, but it's my job. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, sometimes I don't know when to stop. You know, like mm. to to take a break, to do the meeting or the social activity, just, you know, freaking sit down, you know, like, so, you know, that when being a mom is your job, it's just, it's hard to know when to turn off, you know, yeah. I'm always like cleaning, That's making food, cleaning up food, checking on their emotions, you know, like, and you forget to check on your own shit. So. And our society is geared that way, right? Men's number one identifier for who they are as a person that they relate to is their profession. Hmm. And women's is mom first. Then anything else is a distant, you know, fifth. Definitely. <laughs> like, well, and I know mom's like one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, intellectually, I know it's wrong, but I'm like, I'm the provider. And, you know, her mom's role is the caregiver. Like, that's. And I'm like, I know that's not really right, but that's just the way my head is geared. (laughs) So I'm getting the feeling, and I don't know this, but have virtual meetings really opened up a whole new world for this? Like, does that give people... Well, how young is your... Yeah, it depends on how young your kids are. He's two, and any time I pop that laptop open, he Yeah, that's probably hard. Um, So I still need someone to... Mm. uh, Sometimes I could, like put on my phone and put in a wireless headphone and just listen and just listen but the phone would have to be like so like because he, he knows <laughs> right like, so and then it's distracting because while i'm doing that like he mm. wants my attention too and while i did them while they were almost the only option always um i was so grateful when in-person meetings because they were just a little impersonal like i would talk to the people i knew i didn't meet anybody new in the chat, I, you know, if there was someone new, I'd always message them, but 999 times out of a 1,000, you don't get calls for them, just like in a meeting when someone gives you a number, right. you know. So it was, uh, I kind of, it was like dragging the bottom, you know. It, it did what, I don't know. That's interesting. I would have thought it would have opened up a new channel. I, I get there's still some distractions, but maybe less pressure because it's not distracting the meeting, I would think. But I'm also wondering, like, <clears throat> there has very much been this, you're either into virtual meetings or you're really yeah. not, yeah. right? And so I'm wondering, like, for people who yeah. came in during the time of virtual meetings, if they have a kid, if they feel like it's an easier thing to navigate because that's all they've known anyway is virtual meetings. It's a helpful tool. It was helpful to right. still have access to it, but there was less accountability. Like if mm. I'm talking to you, here we are in person, I can read your body language. Right. I can look at your eyes. I can hear the way you breathe when you say something. Hello. 
Right. <laughs> and, you know, I can get a better read off of you and maybe hold you accountable and you could do the same. But in a mm. meeting, I just got to turn my camera, like on Zoom, just turn my camera off or just sit a little back or put, you know, something. Right. And it's just like, I showed up, I sat in the back of the class for me, you know, and I signed my name and I attended. Has anybody heard any rules about that? Like I, I've gone to a couple of virtual meetings where they're like, we ask that you not vape or smoke. What? In the meeting. <laughs> because apparently it might be triggering for people or something. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. Which I was like, right. that's fucking crazy, right? But yeah, I'm like, weird. I'm wondering if a meeting would have the rule, like you can't have kids on screen or something like that. I have not experienced that. I could see somewhere. Some meetings got that shit. <laughs> so what about, I'm curious of this, and I don't know that it makes any difference. What about the time of normal 12-step meetings, right? Like we have them generally mm-hmm. 7, 7, 38. It's the time frame, right? (laughs) Right. Like, is there a way that maybe thinking more about this motherhood topic, like, is there a better time we could have meetings at that might more accommodate people or make it easier? I went to, when uh, when my kids were in school, I went to a noon meeting from time to time. Mm. So maybe daytime meetings do provide something. But if I was a working mom, that wouldn't work. Right, yeah. You know, I used to go to, when I worked, and I I just had the one, uh, went to a 7 a.m. meeting, which some people think is crazy, but it totally works for me. Right before work. So. I wonder, yeah, so like if if a mom has access to daycare, maybe the noon meeting. It's funny. I've always thought of noon meetings as people who are still using. <laughs> it's just what I assume. I I'm like, oh, you don't have a job. Different program. Yeah. Whatever your, your schedule is for whatever reason, you know, uh, the same reasons different times work now for people. Your 7 a.m., your noon meeting. You can go on your lunch break or, you know, for me, I've a meeting at six would be better for bedtime, but it would also be impossible because then I have, you know, my, my husband gets home and I have to feed everybody and make sure, you know, my job, uh, is to cook, you know, right. there's a, in a house, there's a list of things to be done. He does half, I do half. So, but sometimes there's con- time constraints on what I do. So six o'clock meeting would almost never work right. for me. Uh, you know, the seven o'clock works better for my ch- my child's needs. You know what I mean? So I don't know if it's geared towards because you have moms that work and moms that don't. I have a best friend who brings her kid to work. She works. She custom designs cookies. And like there is so much stuff to grab for a kid. <laughs> She's got you a know? natural yeah. taste tester. Built she. In. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like she I say she slays because she like makes she she makes it work. Her kid is almost two. And she does it. And she would take her kid to meetings. Like, she just, she's an animal, man. I don't know how she does it. Like, she works and she takes care of her house. And here I was thinking I was mom of the year. And she, (laughs) like, does everything. You know what I mean? And she has a supportive spouse. But what about what about a later meeting like would, would that have felt more accessible like hey the kids in bed i don't feel guilty asking my partner to watch them because I'm they're tired out. Totally. yeah I, I get that <laughs> i just didn't know i was like well maybe a nine o'clock would be no well and did you do that, that, yeah. that i know that would work for fathers i think <laughs> well you had mentioned I, yeah. you have another uh, kid on the way sure uh you said due in sep- december right yeah yeah well, I guess we're not supposed to say congratulations. Maybe congratulations. I'll, I'll I already it. did. Congratulations. congratulations. I'll accept it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm not offended. Um, so are there things you're going to try to do different this time or things that would make this kid easier? I mean, it's going to actually probably be harder. If I had that information, kid. I'd be rich. I'd write a book about it. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, go. so I will probably put less pressure on myself and uh, definitely lean on my husband more there are some things that are difficult right because he has a very labor intensive job so i try to take the burden on at night Mm. of the kids you know what i mean because i you know for who wants to get up and be how how hard is it to be productive when you've been up half the night and you're i mean he swings he's an auto body tech so Mm. you know he just bends metal all day with his hands it's hard to do when you've had an hour of sleep consistently you know so those are burdens i'll take on but I remember with the first one, like, as soon as the kid would cry, I'd be right there. You know what I mean? And he'd just be sitting back on his phone. I'm like, aren't you going to do anything? He's like, Mm. the kid's fine. Just give it a minute. And me thinking it's the end of the world. So there's probably the only thing I would do different is ask for help Mm. more. He can't read my mind. He doesn't know when up here I'm about to have a mental breakdown, you know, because I'm not saying anything. If I say... You know, can you, I need to go sit in the bathtub for an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah. He'll be like, all right, yeah. You know what I mean? Just asking for help. Um, and I think that has made 
our relationship better since we've had a kid and um just being a mom being a parent easier is verbal that's the word i'm looking for verbalizing because people can't read our minds and they don't know what our expectations are and it's not fair to them so i, well, think, I think asking for help moms more. put unfair expectations on themselves you know like it's okay not to be able to do all i can do that things. to myself it's yeah. not fair to do it to you <laughs> yeah right. they didn't come from nowhere though <laughs> like those unfair expectations they moms didn't just make them up right like this was somewhere along the way this is what our society kind of indoctrinated us with was the idea that this is what moms need to be capable of and handle and take on i mean and i don't know how much of that's nature though too like i thought okay so like with our kids like here's the difference with me and mom like mom's the one that when they come in like she's gonna start like trying to fix his hair and oh you got shit on your face and wiping his face and all that stuff and i'm gonna be like let's go hit baseballs like i don't care what you got on your face or what your hair looks like let's go you know and that's just a difference of personality or difference you know like i'm not as worried about those things whereas you know it depends on the time of day for me how how much i care what my kid looks like (laughs) yeah well and there's an appreciation for what you just said but we did a a grief episode with caroline and understanding the mental health aspect behind that that like some of us are not ready or capable of guilt freely asking for help yeah right like it's hard when somebody has passed on to to muster up what you need to muster up to say hey i really need you guys to come do this for me or i need your help with this or i need company right and so i I don't want to put the burden just on moms like oh suck it up and fucking ask you right ladies (laughs) right like what can these people around us do what can we understand better and think more of right like and so for the grief episode it was like hey don't give people the option of if they need help it's like hey i'm going to bring you dinner what do you want to eat? Yeah. Right. Hey, I'm going to come watch this baby. Like it's not given that option of denying it and soldiering on. Right. It's like, no, I'm going to fucking do this. How do you want it to look? Right. Right. Um, Maybe not even give them that option. Just this one I got in my fridge. Just one I'm putting in my stove. I hope you like it. Right. Right. (laughs) And and that's fine too. Um, So I wonder like, is there workarounds for not being able to hit meetings? And I feel like this could be tricky, but, but so, okay, you become a new mom. I can't get to meetings. But maybe like when I got clean, they had step study groups and shit like that, right? Like, and maybe it doesn't have to be a step study group, but maybe it's like, hey, let's have a mom's group. We'll pick a house or we'll rotate houses. And once a week, we're going to set up a fucking time and we're all going to get together and talk and our kids can play and we can help mother each other's kids and learn from each other, mothering, you know, the kids. But like, what can we do? And, and again, I'm putting the impetus on women. Maybe men need to do this too, to give their wives a break, right? Come up with parenting father recovery groups where we meet once a week and bring the kids to give mom a goddamn break. But like, I I don't ever hear about these suggestions being brought up for new mothers and fathers. It's just like, Hey, congratulations, move on with your life and do what you got to do. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So like, why not have these ideas of like, Hey, let's start up a fucking father's group in our area where, Maybe it's not so structured as a meeting and we don't have to worry about who's child carrying the kids, you know, so that we can pay attention. But we just meet up at a house and fucking kids go wild and, and we talk and, and life goes on and it gets good. Sounds like, like good fellowship. Huh? Sounds like good fellowship, you know. Like just right, right. But I feel like I've never heard of that happening. Somebody who's past the infant stage has to organize that. The people with the newborns uh, can't be the ones to organize. Yeah, good point. Well, there it is. Yeah. It's hard just to round up two or three kids and get all their shit. They like, it's not even yeah. worth it. You're mm-hmm. like, ah, that's too much work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, calling a, a – so my sponsor, her children are grown. I would almost call her like the equivalent of a predecessor. Like she just, she just knows and – she's like well this is you know this is my experience with my kids i just i just took them and here was my experience with it and sometimes it's inspiring and sometimes i'm like oh, you were crazy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know but having other people who, that have been through it just like in recovery people that have been through parenting um i don't want to say the responsibility should fall on them but i've certainly got the most help from people that have survived it mm. you know yeah. what i mean um you if you told me when i first brought my kid out that like hey there's a bunch of moms going to get together. I'm like, you're going to bring m- more people with more of these things. And we're all <laughs> supposed to like talk to each other. I'm not real interested. But, hmm. um, you know, my sponsor would have groups and she would always invite the new moms and say, bring your kids. You know what I mean? So like including you in a thing that's not j- for me, not just geared towards moms with kids, but other 
adults without. Yeah, it was adults. a little more welcoming. I don't know if that yeah. applies to anybody really? else or anything like that, but not being singled out like, hey, here's your special need. We're going to cater to it. Huh. Hey, you're just part of everyone else. Just come. We, whatever. Right. We, everyone's had kids or we know about it. Just it's not a big deal. Well, and for me, it's always been like I was incredibly lucky. I had my kids in recovery. They didn't see me using or anything, but our addiction, like I think kids are like the innocent victims in all that. I mean, they're it's bad enough they had to deal with me just because I'm sick and fucking crazy. But let alone if I was using or kids that have come out of that kind of trauma. And they're like these innocent victims that I like to hope we can be more welcoming and accepting of as part of recovery. You know what I mean? And then we all know, or at least I know, families, I've watched their kids grow up. They've seen my kids grow up. We've all kind of been around recovery together. And, you know, you watch, they become part of your family, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So that, and it's interesting you say that, that you felt more welcome at just a friendly, outside of the structured NA setting welcome environment, right? Where it wasn't really, oh, hey, you horrific new mom, right? You, <laughs> right. You're, you're infected with the new mom disease. Yeah. You belong in this group. Uh, one of the things I've failed at for a lot of my recovery is including my family in my fellowshipping. Like, I don't want to say I haven't included them in my recovery because I definitely try to take the principles home to them, but it's always been very separated, right? Like, I'm not bringing my fucking kids around these fucked up people, right? <laughs> Honestly, like, that's been my thinking. Uh, they're not going to these special events. No way. And I have taken a new relationship with that in my life. Like, I, I do take my kids to events if it's something I think that's useful for them. Like, we've been playing softball and all with, with some of the Narcotics Anonymous people in the area, but... I think maybe just what you're getting at is maybe we need more. I'm not trying to say outside the fellowship as in like away from NA, but with the recovery people and outside of like, this is an NA sanctioned event, right? Maybe right. we need more of this close fellowshipping connection things, whether that's, we call it a step study, whether we call it a, Hey, we fucking get together once a month. Cause we like each other, like whatever we call it. Maybe we just need more of this to be more inclusive to, to people who have kids. And maybe that does fill the gaps in not being able to hit so many meetings. Well, I mean, I, I'm not I, I cuss at home and it's probably not great. My kids are already starting to I, I cuss in Greek a lot, which <laughs> I think maybe he'll get away with a little bit more, but maybe not because um, he picks up on my English. Anyway, what I'm trying to get at is for the people that aren't comfortable bringing their kids for whatever reason to a meeting that everyone's cussing and be you know showing their crim past criminal element or current whatever right. you know what i mean um it, it might be a little more inviting to say hey all these you know pirate mouth criminals are going to go play softball <laughs> and you know maybe the kid can focus on that instead of what's coming out of their mouth right. you know what i mean and it's because the intent of the meeting is to sh to share and you know what we do at meetings um and maybe the focus shouldn't be on that for the kid. Maybe they should just see these people living their lives successfully and contributing to society and being good people. Man, we've always taken our kids to like the cookouts and yeah. events. I mean, they've just grown up around NA stuff. We've had things at our house that aren't specifically NA sanctioned, but with other people in recovery. Our, 
our kids have just always been around for a while we had to kind of we had to explain to them like no you can't just tell people like they would just tell people oh yeah my dad goes to these <laughs> na meetings and you know yeah at the most inappropriate times and you know and i, I like, heard no, about some guy it. slamming dope in his neck my dad was in jail you know yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay let's leave that for another time right. <laughs> like, I, I wonder if that gets complicated like my situation of marrying a, an outsider right a, an earthling or whatever we want to call people that <laughs> right. aren't na people right like maybe. right right so yeah. with her so it felt weird like most of the people i interact with in na are, are guys in that network type level right and it's kind of weird to I, I guess not a lot of them had kids like most of the guys i was sponsoring didn't have kids and so i'm just trying to picture like a guy and hey you want to come over and play with my kid like, <laughs> it's, it seems a little awkward and it shouldn't but it does right there's this connotation to it. And I'm wondering, like, with Billy's situation, him and his wife were both in the program, right? Sure. So they all the people that were going to come over might have been couples. They might have been friends. Like, the people in my NA world were not my wife's friends. They did not right. know her. And so it was just like, not that I haven't had some people over my house, but I feel like that did make it a little trickier with including the life of 12-step fellowship. On your end or her life. end? In mine, probably. Yeah. Like she's, Has she ever... Oh no! Been like, no. Uh, this is weird. I don't like it. No, she's the person who, from she's day one, super is nice like, and easy to get along. Yeah, with. <laughs> she's like, no, I'll go to a meeting with you if you want. Yeah. And I'm like, you're gonna be fucking bored at that meeting. You don't need to go. <laughs> there. She might be, but she's there for you. I, I know, but I'm. I've always. I don't need anybody here for me. This is my. Like, it's <laughs> it's one of the. It's always me. It's We're gonna never crack open a psycho session right, on right. Jason right now. Like, how do you feel about my this? <laughs> My earthly husband has no interest in checking out, <laughs> checking out my, term. Yeah, <laughs> like my recovery life. He came to my one year anniversary, you know, just because they were like, oh, is your spouse going to come? But he's had no interest in doing anything social with anybody. Huh. We, I've had a few friends come by the house, you know, and, you know, he's not like, he doesn't shun them. He talks to them like any of my other friends. But, you know, like when A had their sock up, you know, like I asked him if they wanted, he wanted to do that. And he's like, no, it wasn't really a sock up. But, <laughs> but I was like, hey, there's a, like, it was a New Year's dance. I'm like, maybe we get my parents to watch the kids. We can go on a date. Imagine that, a date. And he had no interest in, like, now, going to was that just life. because it was recovery centered or if it was any other dance, he probably wouldn't have went? Um, yeah. Good point. He probably wouldn't have gone to any, <laughs> like, dance. Right. You know, maybe something else. But, yeah. like, I invited him to other anniversaries or. Um, when, when it's so, so funny, like, I guess like two, three years in, we did have a date night. I was like, yo, do you want to hit my meeting and then we'll go to the movie? He's like, what? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh, it's cool. I'm introducing to my friends. He's like, nah. So. <laughs> but would he do like a, a recovery, like, I don't know, canoeing trip or something like that? No, or I don't probably think he not. would. No. I think he'd be like, like, nah. Have, you have fun. You know, like he doesn't <laughs> mind me going out and having friends. Huh. Recovery, but he, he doesn't. He doesn't need any friends. My recovery friends. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you bring an AA friends home, and he's like, "You want a beer?" <laughs> <laughs> my sponsor. Uh, he doesn't drink though. So. Uh, okay. My yeah. sponsor's uh, boyfriend, whatever, is a uh, an Earthling. I guess we're calling him now. And um, you know, he's also a very quiet person. You know, he's a man of few words. But from what I've gathered, from what she has said, um, because I don't have experience with. Someone who's dating a non-addict. Um, you know, she was open with him in the beginning, and he has been very supportive of, you know, her meetings and her recovery. And she's a person in, in long-term recovery. You know, because he has this attitude, and he, he loves her very much, he shows up. Sometimes they, they, they ride motorcycles. He'll ride to the—it's a, a women's meeting. He'll just sit outside just to ride with her there and back. You know what I mean? But I do go over there and go over step work, and sometimes I'm like— I don't have a problem sharing my story, which is, is graphic, but sometimes he's in the living room. I'm like, am I like, is he not going to want me in the house now? <laughs> right. You know, because I'm telling, right. he's hearing my step work uh, and he's just watching. He doesn't care. You know what I mean? But like. That's a little odd. I gotta be it's, honest. Yeah. From it's my perspective. Well, I, I mean, for people that don't know my sponsor, she she just says anything she wants ever. So she, he's probably used to hearing crazy shit. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I. People's opinions used to be a big part of my life. And um, until I broke free of that, I couldn't start recovery. And um, so in the past, it's probably something that kept me using for a long time. Uh, and now it's, I don't want to say it's a non-issue. Certain people's opinions bother me. But um, being around someone who's not, I try to be respectful, I guess, for around an earthling. But then again, you know, you don't have to see me anymore. It's okay. I've just always been super protective of 
anything that people want to talk about. Not so much because of my embarrassment or even theirs, right? It's just, it's almost like that therapy idea of like, what more would you be willing to share if nobody was listening than you are if we're at Starbucks or if my sure. wife's in the other room? So I've always been like super cautious about that she idea. She gives me the option of him. She's like, are you like, okay with it? I'm like, yeah, I don't care. If, uh, if I wasn't, he would fuck off like, somewhere. Yeah, go fuck off somewhere. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't care. So what else can we do to to support moms, to change the the stigma around, you know, what they can do or can't do or what they're able to do to change the supports in place that are available? Like what more could be done in this situation? I, I get it. A lot of it feels internalized from what our society has put on people, but like what is it going to take to change this? Is it just, Hey, we keep waiting and slowly over time, we get better understandings that women have different needs than men and we need to address them. Or is there literally some things we can start advocating for? Like, is there things I can leave today and say, you know what, besides on a personal level of, I need to be more aware of my wife's needs and, and what she needs to be healthy. What can I do when I go to a meeting and I encounter anything? Can I give helpful suggestions of like, Oh, Hey, I heard that, Doing this might help you because I know you can't get to as many meetings or, or is there anything like that? Is there any good plausible think, solutions? Yeah, patience and tolerance. You know, if they have to bring their kid, you know, that'll, you know, just be patient and um, and offer them help when you can. But I was thinking even on a broader scale, I think we need more attention on how much moms drink, you mm. know, and they don't ask for help. I think there's like that whole uh, mommy wine culture and it's acceptable yeah. and it's so much easier for moms just to stay home and drink and just to keep mom home because she keeps the home running and just let her drink as much as she wants, you know, as long as the household keeps running. Cause if mom goes away, you know, sometimes she's like the, the linchpin to the home operation. And I think it keeps women drunk until it's too late. You know, that is a very AA view. We definitely do not have yeah. uh... I had no spe like reference to that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay, it's like, not like, hey, let's get let mom stay home and do heroin. Yeah, yeah. stay home and bang that dope in your neck. Yeah. And yeah. True. Take care yeah. of that house. Yeah. But it's more socially acceptable. Such a good idea yeah. keeping the house. So. <laughs> Mommy fentanyl culture. <laughs> right. So when the pandemic happened, there wasn't the um, the heroin fairy going around door to door. Yeah. We had no, the, no. the wine fairy. Did you guys see that at all? I didn't. No. All right. So, yeah, when the pandemic happened and we were all like locked away, that people were like secretly dropping bags of wine off at their girlfriend's bags. houses. Bags. Wow. And I was like... No, don't do that. Like, no, not me. Like, and I wasn't, I wasn't really out about my recovery yet. And I was so afraid somebody's going to drop a bag of wine at my house. It would be like a gift bag, you know, with wine and the glasses and the whole like. Yeah, I know they said alcohol consumption was like way up during everything, the pandemic. Everything. And, yeah. yeah. If we can put wine in bags, we should be able to put heroin in bottles. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Equality. If somebody comes to a recovery Dharma meeting mm -hmm. with a kid. Right, so we're talking okay. a, a A N A, right? Yeah, you're trying to meditate. Yeah, it's just that's hard. How yeah, it would be, different. it would be hard. Somebody brought a dog once. So I thought that was kind of like, eh. you know, because we're we're all sitting around meditating and here, like, quiet down, Fifi. Yeah, like the heavy <laughs> yeah, breathing, and weird. I was like, oh, I don't think that's really appropriate. But if some, we, I would probably make accommodations if we were meditating outside. There's that kitty section. In fact, this is funny. There was an N A meeting in the house, and we had our recovery dharma around the fire pit, and the kids from the N A meeting came down to party at the play stuff right next to our meditation i was like come on man like yeah. <laughs> was a little, a little inconsiderate it's like i can't leave my dog with my husband he won't. i think he was traveling like from People here treat to there their dogs like kids dog. now. i understand yeah. that weird thing. Like, you can just leave them and they will be fine mm -hmm. i couldn't leave my kid in a crate it probably it's frowned upon uh, well we were <laughs> yeah. talking about doing a, a meditation a retreat like a recovery meditation retreat mm -hmm. and uh, you know i was seeing who might be interested and somebody's like oh cool i'll bring my dog i'm like well uh it's a silent retreat. I don't know how you can have a dog <laughs> and be silent. <laughs> it's interesting the different views on dogs. So like two weeks ago, there was a dog in my home group and I, I was virtual that night for whatever reason, but I was like, that's weird to me, right? Mm -hmm. But then the next week, another home group member messaged me and was like, hey, do you think anybody mind if I brought my dog? And I was like, well, there was a dog there last week, but I don't know how that works if you bring two dogs and they don't get along. Like, I have no clue. Like, to me, if you ask me, I, no, don't ever bring a dog to a meeting. Right. But to her, it was like, I worked a long day. What I kind wanted, of dog? I don't know. But she wanted to take it for a walk, and then she had time to do that, but only time to do that and go straight to the meeting. And I was like, I, be 10 minutes late for the meeting. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Don't, don't ask I, me. I don't, I don't mind them. I don't think I'd want one at a meditation meeting. 
Yeah. You know, and if you just the same like, thing, I'm dogs and babies. Like, I'm just going to stare at the dog yeah. and the baby the whole time. You know, like my girlfriend yeah. just had a kid and sits next to me all the time. And I'm just like, you know, just staring at it the whole time. Everything <laughs> he does is fascinating. And yeah. I, I don't know what's going on up front. So, huh. but if they want to, you know, if it's not disturbing, I, there's a lot of things I don't care about if it doesn't affect me. People start bringing dogs. I'm bringing a fucking cat. Just to make it weird. Just to make it weird as shit. I'm bringing my cat. Oh, you can bring your dog. I'm gonna bring Mm. a cat. (laughs) So maybe, maybe this is a practice of our principles, right? We talk about uh, open-mindedness, honesty, uh, self-reflection, introspection, selflessness. Maybe this entire practice of like being more aware of moms and mom struggles in recovery is is the ability for people who maybe are fathers maybe you're not fathers and just men maybe you're just women who have never had the mothering experience but just us trying to be more aware of like what's going on what does this person's special circumstances require and how can i help with that right maybe it's just that maybe Being it's inclusive. that easy yeah understand looking out yeah. for your fellows <sighs> my biggest thing is um mm-hmm. you know just i'm wrong a lot and like the more i realize that the happier my life is like <laughs> and i don't need to understand everything and i don't need to know what's going on and i can look at a situation of you know a mom or a couple with a baby and just like in my experience this is what they do and it's probably not great and they're probably terrible it's not really any of my goddamn business it's what's your problem what can i do to help you know what i mean and instead of occupying my mind with judging them you know just like recognize be vulnerable recognize their vulnerability even if they're guarding it you know what I mean? Just be welcoming. And it's like as simple as that, just as every other philosopher, Gandhi, whoever, you know, it's, it's just be kind to each other. That's it. And if you want to judge in your head, that's your problem, but don't pass it on. You know what I mean? Because uh, for me, I've heard horror stories about people walking back into 12-step fellowships, NAA, whatever, with their tail between their legs. You know what I mean? And some of it is because they've gotten that experience, like people have shamed them or it's their own shit. I've never had that experience ever. And it's, um, it's wonderful. So if someone, you know, can go into somewhere and not have to worry about feeling shame, uh, they're probably going to feel more welcomed and to keep coming back and whatever I can do to make that better. You know, I've made strangers food and just, Hey, I, I don't know you, but what's your address here? You know, sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's not, but I did my part, you know what I mean? And I, I tried to make them feel loved. It's what was done for me growing up and in the rooms. And I just try to pass it on. So there you go. Don't be that person that someone says, that mother, right? <laughs> Support a mom instead. And, and a dad. You know, I'm not trying to exclude dads in this conversation. I just think it's very relevant to realize the opposite and, and opposing and different standards that are set for us and, and maybe really start thinking it's one thing for me to be aware that this problem exists but for me this is definitely like what am i going to do to step up to try to make it not exist in my world right because it's not fair and it's not right and i wonder how many stressed out new moms don't have the ability to access the resources they need to stay here and to stay clean so i want to be helpful to that all right have a good week Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us.